Have you ever felt lost? Paralyzed by the twists and turns, the decisions and deadlines ahead of you? Have you paused before making a big decision, prayed that the correct path, the wise path, would be easy to see? If you've ever chosen the wrong path, you probably still live with regret after seeing where you ended up. There's a different way, a straighter path, but it's not found in our own understanding. Let the wise listen. Let the lost receive guidance. The wisdom of God is available to all. Are you listening? So hey, good morning. My name is Corey Mitchell. I'm one of our elders here at LEFC. This morning we're continuing our series in Proverbs, so I'm going to ask you to open up to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16. So if you need a Bible to join our time of study, the ushers have them. Uh, you can get a Bible from them. If you don't own a Bible, I'd encourage you to take the Bible from the usher, make it your own, spend time in personal study. So in, in our family, I want, my, I want my daughters to be able to recite the 66 books of the Bible in order. And so one of, the, one of the ways that we help to do that is we break them into sections. And each section has you know, a description for that, that section. So for example, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then they'll say the section is Moses. And so it, it kind of does double duty. It helps to learn the books in order, but it also can help them to know what's in that section, what are in those books, give them an idea of that. So when we get to Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, then we say wisdom poetry. That's the section for us in our family, wisdom poetry. So that's what I think of. I think of this series uh, from Proverbs. Now, which proverb to do, right? Each of us who are up here speaking or, you know, to present proverbs that have an impact in our lives. So which one? So, well, maybe Proverbs 1631. That feels more and more relevant for me with each passing day. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. Uh, but I am, thinking, <laughs> I am thinking that an entire sermon on gray hair, you might check out pretty early in that sermon. But if you, like me, are a gray hair, you're welcome. Nice first to have, right? There you go. So, okay, what first? So I knew, I, knew, I knew what I wanted to talk about. I knew what I was interested in speaking about. Uh, but I still didn't know the verse. I had a couple folks who were praying for me to arrive at the verse. And, uh, and so I was still reading through Proverbs as well. And, and then I, I hit this verse, 1625, and it was, oh, that is it. That's the verse. Because that was a verse that so impacted me as a younger believer. But the way I knew the verse, and what you're going to hear me, as I say, multiple times here this morning, is not what you're going to see here uh, probably on any of your versions, I'm guessing. And the way I learned it, and it's burned in my brain and into my bones, is there is a way that seems right to a man but in the end, it leads to death. So that's the way I know it. I'm like, all right, if I try to like take another version or I take the NIV here and, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going to get stuck on this because I'm going to keep getting tangled up. 
So about a week and a half ago, we were at the sermon planning session, and I, and I mentioned this, and a few minutes later, our exec pastor, Joel Lingenfelder, uh, he says, hey, I found your translation. I found the version that you know. I was like, oh, he said, it's the NIV, 1984. And I thought, oh, of course, that makes all the sense in the world. That's the translation of the scripture that so impacted me when I came to LAFC and LAFC using the NIV. And so that's what we'll be using this morning. So I brought my old 84 NIV here this morning and you'll see it's literally hanging by a thread. Now, if you're in the back room, it probably looks like I'm doing levitation, right? Uh, so that's my 84 NIV. Now, my 2011 NIV really is not in much better shape. It's also taped up. The cover is hanging on. So, Now, one of the interesting things about this particular proverb is that it's actually in two places. So it's Proverbs 16.25, which is our anchor text here this morning, but it's also in Proverbs 14.12. So... Uh, At the beginning of this series, Tom Daly, he kicked off our series in Proverbs, and he used a definition of wisdom that I liked, and I'm going to bring that back today. Uh, What he shared was this, wisdom is becoming competent in regard to the realities of life. Uh, And then the subheading uh, for this series is wisdom for the journey. So this morning, it's wisdom for the journey from my journey of becoming competent in regard to to the realities of life. So this particular proverb, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the, in the end it leads to death. There's two implications of this proverb that I want to speak about this morning. And the first one is this. Wisdom is not inside of us. It is outside of us, and we must go get it. Wisdom is not inside of us, it's outside of us, and we must go get it. Proverbs 4, 7 says it this way. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. And then here in the same chapter 16, verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. So we, want, we aren't going to find wisdom when we're pursuing wisdom inside of us. Now, hopefully over time, right, we do gain wisdom, and it is inside of us, but we're not going to find it there. Now, the world, the world says things like, find your truth, you do you, be your authentic self, but the scriptures say there's a way that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. In our stu- we just finished our study in this series, the James series, and in James chapter 3, he writes about two types of wisdom. The first one, he says, is the wisdom that does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. We might use the phrase worldly, worldly wisdom. The wisdom that does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. And then he writes about the second type of wisdom, wisdom that comes down from heaven is pure, peace-loving, submissive. So if we can't find wisdom inside of us and we don't get wisdom from worldly wisdom of the world around us, so where do we go to find wisdom, to get wisdom, though it costs us everything? Well, we go to the sources that Jesus provides to us to get wisdom. So I wanna touch on a couple of those. So the first one is from our parents. 
A first and primary source of wisdom that God provides in our life is from our parents. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long. Not that it may go well with them. Now, it, it's nice as a parent to be honored by your children, right? So it is helpful. But the benefit is to you to honor them. You will have your life go better and longer. Uh, that's the idea. Solomon mo models this. In the book of Proverbs, the very first verse of the book of Proverbs says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So Solomon learned from his father, David. Right? He learned wisdom. He learned faith. He learned the ways of God from his father. That's a primary source. Two weeks ago, Tony did a sermon on getting wisdom from our our. Our parents shared about his personal experience with both his father and his mother, and I affirm all the things that he said. It was really uh, well done. So I want to piggyback off what he said and share from my own personal experience, which is, has just a little additional flavor uh, than, than his did, and specifically, this is my relationship with my father. So uh, many years ago now, when I was pretty new at LEFC, uh, this was back in the 90s, uh, my friend Mike Cap. Uh, preached a sermon, and during that sermon, he said something like this. He said, if you want to know what you should do, go ask your dad. And when he said that, I, I really was wrestling with that and struggling with that and, and just working that over in my mind. And the reason was because my dad was not a believer, and he really hadn't been part of my life since I had been three years old. And so I'm wrestling through this, and I'm thinking through this. If you really want to know what to do, go ask your dad. And, and I came to, I, I drew two conclusions through that wrestling. And the first conclusion was this. My dad loves me, and he would want to give me good counsel. And the second and probably more important conclusion that I came to was the act of me humbling myself and going to him to ask for his counsel would both soften my heart to receive it and soften his heart again to want to give me good counsel. So a couple of years after that, I had the opportunity to put this to the, to the test. I, uh, I had a difficult work situation, work relationship at the time, and so I was talking to my dad about it. I was sharing what was going on. And, and he gave me his thoughts on it. He told me what he saw and what I described. And I remember, I didn't say this, but I thought it. I thought, I don't think that's right at all. I don't think that's what's going on. I, I think he's wrong. And so, so more years go by, and you know, this is how wisdom works, right? You don't get wisdom in an instant. It's years, right, to, to learn stuff. So more years go by, and that difficult work situation comes to its head and conclusion and ends. And, and when, when it did, I was reminded back to what my dad had said, and I thought, he was right. What he said was the case. And I realized that for a very simple reason, that he had lived and had more life experience than I had. And so he could see something because of his lived life experience that I couldn't see, even though he wasn't a believer. As the old adage uh, goes, the older I get, the smarter my dad gets. Uh, perhaps you've heard it. 
So parents, right? The parents that God provides. That is a first source of wisdom that God provides to us. The second source of wisdom that Jesus provides in our life is spiritual parents from within the church. Teachers, mentors, disciplers, uh, spiritual mothers and fathers that he provides to you, to us, uh, within the body of Christ. Uh, First Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes this. He writes, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. So God provides us fathers in his body. A key idea in having spiritual parents. Yes, it's the things they teach, the things they say to us, but I think Paul's on to a really key idea here in the last part. I urge you to imitate me. It's being able to see the lives of those in the body that God has provided to us. Watch how they live. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? That was particularly important to me because I didn't grow up in a church going home. I didn't know what it looked like to live uh, the life of a follower of Jesus. And so I got to see that and that model and then do likewise. Tony, uh, in that same sermon a couple weeks ago, uh, phrased it this way. Watch learn, do. And that reminded me, I love that phrase, watch, learn, do. And that reminded me of one of my spiritual fathers here at LAFC, uh, Ray Lucas. Uh, so Ray was, he's passed away now, but Ray was longtime elder, been a missionary pastor, big long resume, resume for the kingdom Ray had. And so many of his kind of, he had pithy statements, but they really stuck with me. And one of those, he didn't coin it, but he said it and stuck with me was, it is more caught than taught. And so your spiritual parents that God provides, that Jesus provides to you, uh, you get to catch uh, their lives and then do likewise. And then a, a third source of gaining wisdom that Jesus provides to us is the scriptures. So I'm gonna ask you, we can leave Proverbs 16, you can turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter three. 2 Timothy chapter three. So this text, we're gonna look at 14 and 17. This is probably the, the most well-known and oft-quoted passage in all the Bible on the subject of understanding the Bible as the word of God uh, is found here, particularly 16 and 17. But I wanna read a little bit more. I wanna start in 14 when you get there. So 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. So Paul writes, but as for you, that's Paul speaking to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So just a couple pieces I wanna pull out of here. So first back to 14. What, what Paul is writing to Timothy in 14 very much um, is what, we, what I was just speaking about, our parents, right, as a primary source. For Paul, we see who it is back in chapter one, verse five. 
Paul writes, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So the, that same modeling in Timothy's life that Paul recognizes uh, from his mother and his grandmother. Verse 15, so here's the idea, right? Where do we go to get wisdom from the sources that Jesus provides? And one of those sources is the scriptures. The holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So go to the scriptures. Let the Holy Spirit apply these things. Write them on your heart. Write them into your bones. Better to have a Bible that is hanging by a thread than to have a life that is hanging by a thread, right? So the scriptures, now how is it that the scriptures make us wise? Well, verse 16. First of all, all scriptures God breathed. They're able to make us wise because they are the words of God given to human authors. Uh, we, We often hear it, they are inspired. But here, they are expired. They are breathed out by him. So they're the words of God, and they are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Those four words there, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Now, you might look at those four words and think, well, two of those words kind of sound negative, rebuking and correcting. Well, I want to add a third to it, and that's the word training. The word that is here translated training, the Greek word, appears six times in the New Testament. Four of the other five times that it appears are in one chapter of the, of the New Testament, and that's Hebrews chapter 12. And if you know Hebrews chapter 12, you, you'll know that it speaks about us being disciplined by both our heavenly father and our earthly fathers. The word there, discipline, same word. So training in righteousness that's here in 2 Timothy 3 and the discipline that's spoken of in Hebrews 12, they're referring to the maturation of a child, a child being brought to maturity. That's the idea. So the discipline that brings maturity. So why is it that the way we learn wisdom from the scriptures is through correcting, rebuking, and the discipline that brings maturity. Well, it's because there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Second implication of the proverb. First one again, wisdom is not inside of us, it is outside of us, we must go get it. Second implication is what is inside of us is the ways of death that need to be driven outside of us. And the primary way that that's gonna happen in our lives is through correction, by receiving correction, maybe even rebuke. What does it require of us to receive such correction? Well, the world teaches pride, but the scriptures teach humility. What's required of us is to have a posture of humility. It's a posture of humility before Jesus that turns correction, even rebuke, into wisdom. 
So in the, in the Mitchell family, we have a, a phrase. We have in the Mitchell family lots of phrases that dad offers up. Uh, but one of the phrases that we have in the Mitchell family is this. We need to listen with the intent to understand. Listen with the intent to understand. We usually repeat that phrase when we are not listening with the intent to understand. So that's why we have these phrases. So listen with the intent to understand. And I wanna, that's what I want to apply in my life. So when, I, when the world speaks of things like trigger warnings or microaggressions or safe spaces, I want to apply an effort to understand. I want to listen to that and I want to understand. And so I recognize that in those words and phrases, there's a desire to treat others with kindness and respect and to not want to offend. And in that intent, there is much for me to agree with because as the scriptures say, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, these are fruits of the spirit against which there is no law. But here's my warning. Looking for triggers, looking for microaggressions, looking for safe spaces begins to condition you, condition your brain to distance from those who may disagree or seem unkind. And in doing so, you may miss out on the correction that God brings, by, and give, and God brings in order to give you wisdom and understanding. In a, in a similar manner, if, if we live in an echo chamber of our own political ideologies, it also conditions us and our brains to distance from those who disagree with us and who may be the ones to bring correction, which brings wisdom. We live in an increasingly isolated culture, right? And the problem with that is how are we going to experience the correction that drives out the ways of death and replaces them with wisdom and the ways of life? There's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. My go-to biblical text uh, on the subject of re receiving correction and receiving a rebuke is, is the accounts of David and Shimei. So last place I'm going to ask you to turn here this morning, if you turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 16. 2 Samuel 16. So while you're turning there, just a uh, couple context items of what we're going to read. So David is king, but his son Absalom has just conspired to take the throne. And so in, in this text in chapter 16, we're going to look at 5 to 12, David is fleeing from Jerusalem from his son Absalom. And then just a little additional context, uh, David is from the tribe of Judah, and Shimei is from the tribe of Benjamin. And as you'll see in what I read, even more specifically, he's from the same clan as King Saul, the king who preceded David. So again, I'm going to pick it up here, verse 5, and read down to verse 12. As King David approached Bahoram, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. As he cursed, Shimei said, get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. 
The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Then Abishai, son of Zeruiah, who's one of David's mighty men, then Abishai, son of Zeruiah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. But the king said, what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask, why do you do this? David then said to Abishai and all his officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. The reason this is my go-to text on this idea of receiving a rebuke, receiving a correction, is because of David's posture. What I see here, David's posture uh, in the text. Uh, it's a posture of humility. And I, I, I think, I mean, David is a man of great faith. For me, the defining characteristic uh, that I see is his humility, even as king. His posture of humility is what allows him to set aside any right he might claim as king, right? You're the king. They can't curse you. He sets that aside. He doesn't show favoritism. Uh, in the words of the King James, he is no respecter of persons. And as Deuteronomy 17 says about the king, the future king of Israel, that king is not to consider himself better than his fellow Israelites. And that's what I see here in David, not just here in other places, a posture of humility. And it allows him to see through the messenger, see through the attitude of the messenger, even a political enemy like Shimei, and he has a theology which understands that God can choose to correct through anyone he would choose. Uh, in fact, right, if God can restrain and rebuke the madness of the prophet Balaam through a wordless donkey speaking, then he can correct through anyone or anything that he chooses. So David understands that. And he's willing to receive the rebuke. And this, this thought, this is what I want to have in my life. That when I get correction and when I get rebuke, and just like it said, right, it's never pleasant, right? I'm 54, it's still not pleasant to receive correction and rebuke. But when that happens, I want to have this understanding that says, how do I know that God is not speaking through this to me to give me wisdom, to change me, to affect my life. I want to have that. As hard as it may be to receive it, I want to have that. I want to be like David is. But I also appreciate another part of the David Shimei story. The David Shimei story doesn't end here. There's a couple more uh, accounts where his name is mentioned, but I want to go to the la last part of it. At the end of David's life, he is giving counsel to his son Absalom, uh, to his son Solomon, and part of the counsel that he gives to Solomon in order to establish his kingdom and act with wisdom and so forth, he brings up Shimei, and he says, you shouldn't consider him innocent. David understands he's a bad man. He's a wicked man, 
And it ultimately plays out that he is put to death by Solomon because of later rebellion. And so I appreciate this about David. The posture that hears his cursing, if you will, right, his rebuke, and says, how do I know God speaking? Let him do this, God speaking. But also who exercises the discernment to understand, okay, this is, uh, this is a wicked man as well. Both things holding them in tension. David understands that not all correction, not all rebuke is from God. And we need to learn discernment. Over the series, we've, we've had this picture of a, of, a, of a house with two floors. First floor in regards to wisdom. First floor is getting wisdom for the formation of moral character. And the second floor is for gaining discernment. And so we need discernment. We need to have the discernment that recognizes and receives correction when Jesus is speaking, however he may choose to speak into our lives. When we build physical muscle, and I know you did not come this morning to hear me speak about building physical muscle, not my thing, but uh, when we build physical muscle, uh, in order to do so, it requires resistance. So we lift weights, or you lift weights, That's the resistance that breaks down the muscle and then allows the muscle to be built back up stronger. And I believe that is exactly what it looks like to build spiritual muscle. In order to build spiritual muscle in our lives, it requires resistance, often resistance in the form of correction, discipline, something along those lines. And so... Again, we want to have that same posture of humility that allows us to build spiritual muscle. So one of the, one of the a, a big time in my life where I was building spiritual muscle. Now, it, in that time, I did not think about this as I'm building spiritual muscle. One of the times was in my mid to late 30s. And... Um, it was a very difficult season and just, just wrestling through a number, of, uh, a number of different situations and trying to act wisely and, of course, all of those things. And in the midst of that, I was speaking with one of my spiritual fathers uh, here at LAFC. And in the course of that discussion, he said something like to me, something like, well, there's... There's more immaturity here than I had imagined, speaking about me. And I was like, ugh. It was like a punch in the gut. The way I usually describe this is this way. Of the top 10 things he could have said to me, that's not even one of them. At the time, right, like often, I'm convinced of the rightness of my thoughts, right? Aren't we always persuaded of the rightness of our thoughts? And... As time went by, and I could look back on that and see that that was a time of God building spiritual muscle in my life, preparing me for something that was going to come later, that I was then more equipped to handle because of that. I thought about that, and I realized he was right. What he said, as painful as it was in the time, was correct, but I also understood it differently. When he says there's more immaturity there than I imagined, I thought, oh, it sounds like you're saying I'm just acting like a little kid. 
But what I realized in retrospect as I thought back through that season is that there is another immaturity, and that is, again, in a similar way to my experience with my own dad, I had not experienced, I had, had, I had not had enough experience in what I was going through to process it effectively, to, to, to act with enough wisdom. But God turned that correction into wisdom in my life, and when I got to another moment that was even more challenging in a similar vein, I was, now I'm equipped. Now I'm equipped to do this. God has granted me wisdom through this rebuke. Now, what if that hadn't happened? What if God didn't do that? What if he said, I'm just going to leave you right where you are, right? That's what love looks like. What if he'd have done that? I would not have been matured. I would not have been Experience the discipline that leads to maturity. But God does love me, and he does show his love to us by bringing correction into our lives. Correction, the discipline that leads to maturity, even rebukes are a gift from God. They are not, they don't feel that way in the moment, but they are a gift from him. Now, Let's understand something. The goal is not correction. The goal is not, I want to receive correction. I want to receive correction. The goal is to turn correction into wisdom. So get wisdom. Show the humility. Exercise the humility that can receive correction, even rebuke, and get wisdom. Let it be turned into wisdom in your life. Let me pray. Father, we do praise you. I praise you. You did not leave me all through my walk with you. Even before I knew you, you did not leave me where I was. Because there's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. So I praise you and thank you for the sources of wisdom that you provided to me. And I pray, Lord, for all of us that we would indeed seek out those sources. We would get wisdom, though it costs us everything. That you would bring correction into our lives. That you would give us a humble spirit that can receive that correction in its time and turn it into maturity. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us givers of wisdom to others who would seek it. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. response to that there's a way that seems right to us we're going to join as a church declare that God's way is better than what seems right to us so let's stand together and in response and in in submission let's sing out to our God
There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Praise be to Jesus that he swallows up death and replaces it with life. If you need prayer, if you, don't, if you haven't experienced that death to life that only Jesus can bring, we'll have people available in the encounter room that you can pray with. I'd encourage you to do so. If you need prayer for um, anything going on in your life, just encourage you to Go there for prayer. You can come up uh, and pray. I'll pray with you as well. So for the benediction this morning, I want to speak over us the words of David found in two different psalms, just some of the words here in Psalm 141 and Psalm 139. So receive this. Let a, let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be against the deeds of evildoers. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. May God give you wisdom. May he bless you through discerned correction, and may he make you his wisdom giver. You're dismissed.